the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Sam Robson with you. And Sam, after last week's carnage, it was good to get back to the football being the most important thing we can talk about in this week's episode. Yeah, it was no real need for the VAR drop or anything like that. Some kind of it was most of day around the fixtures, but some yeah vital victories for certain Giants that have been sleeping this season and uh, a decent result as well for Aurora in the ACL. Indeed, indeed. All right, yes, and we'll get on to uh, all of the action from the eight games played in uh, J1 match day 10 on Saturday. But uh, yes, first we will touch on uh, Urawa's positive result in the first leg of the Asian Champions League final that uh, Sam's just mentioned. Uh, Away, of course, to Saudi Giants Al-Hilal. And uh, Urawa return with, uh, yes, a uh, a 1-1 draw after things got off to a pretty rocky start, Sam, with uh, Al-Hilal, their home fans, baying for blood. And uh, they got a 13th-minute lead after a little bit of uh, hesitancy at the back from uh, Alex Schultz and Shusaku Nishikawa, uh, neither of them uh, eventually dealing with a cross-in from the Al-Hilal right. Yeah, pretty uncharacteristic from Schultz, especially. Um, he's usually very solid there, but uh, both of them were kind of were hoping the other would claim either claim the cross or clear it away. And in the end, uh, neither did. And it was a fully deserved goal at that time from Al Halal and Al Dasari. I think they'd started with real good intensity. Obviously, a massive crowd there. It was a great spectacle. And uh, they were right up for it from the start of the game. And Reds were a little bit hesitant in everything they were doing. So, yeah, Al Halal took full advantage of that and took the lead. And uh, it took Reds a long while, really, to get into the game. There was a lot of possession for Al Halal, a lot of. Um, yeah, dangerous moments, I suppose, in and around the area. But other than that mistake there from Schultz slash Nishikawa, I thought Reds were just about holding on. They were very, they were pretty capable. Nishikawa didn't really have much else to do in that opening of the first half. And Reds kind of grew into the game. They didn't really, in that first half, create anything of note. There was one opening where Karaki fell over instead of being able to run onto it and shoot. But uh, I think it was good for them that rather than that one goal leading to two or three, as it could easily do with Al Hilal, I think Reds recovered pretty well. And uh, yeah, getting into halftime just 1-0 down was probably a good result for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well well put. Yeah, they hung in. And um, yes, yeah, I mean, heads could certainly have dropped after that uh, early uh, setback. But yes, they uh, deserve credit for, for sticking in the game and not letting it get away from them. We've both already mentioned the uh, the terrific home support that uh, Al-Hilal received, but we should also give a massive shout-out to the travelling Reds support, uh, who, uh, yes, yeah, certainly made themselves known in that uh, small pocket of the stadium, and, uh, of course, they were uh, in full voice at Saitama Stadium as well for a, a public viewing event. And, um, well, we said they made it through to half-time, just the 1-0 down, Sam, and uh, eight minutes after the restart, the equaliser came uh, exactly as uh, Maché Scorger had drawn it up on the uh, the dressing room whiteboard, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. One off the training ground. Perfect play. <laughs> terrific run, actually, from Okobo. I thought he really drove through the midfield and played a dangerous through pass through. But, yeah, I'm not sure Alba Lahi would like to look at this again, sliding in from like 40 yards out, manages to divert it onto his own post. The poor goalkeeper scrambling, he can't get near it. And yeah, Shinzo Kroki does what Shinzo Kroki does and there uh, smells the danger and puts it away. So a huge slice of fortune for Reds. But yeah, 
take your chance, take whatever you can get in an ACL final. So, yeah, fantastic. And Albalo, he can, yeah, maybe he's got a career at Reds waiting for him in the summer. Yeah, one of the more remarkable goals you'll see in uh, in a final. And, um, well, yeah, obviously it goes without saying. It could make all the difference if uh, Reds are able to go on and lift the trophy after uh, Saturday night's second leg. But, um, yeah, Okobol with a, a purposeful run through the centre. Yeah, and uh, Koroki, we mentioned it with Ralph a couple of weeks ago. Um, it looks like there's plenty of life still left in those old legs. And, um, yes, he was... Uh, Johnny on the spot and reacting to that ball uh, bouncing back off the post um, with, uh, yes, a defender scrambling over to slide in and and try and block the ball before Kuroki could get to it. But, um, yes, he gleefully dispatched that loose ball and um, after... Uh, yeah, as we said, riding their luck somewhat in the first half, but reaching uh, the sheds at just one nil down, they uh, they somehow had their equaliser, and well, yeah, they uh, there was obviously pressure from Al Hilal for the the, the final thirty five minutes, and uh, obviously uh, quite a bit of stoppage time as well. Sam, there was um, a, a terrific tip save from uh, from Nishikawa, but apart from that, I mean. I mean, they were sure they, they were definitely expecting the pressure from Al Hilal. They were able to soak it up, and um, ultimately, uh, well, the the result is hugely positive. But also the way that they were able to see the game out, and um, yeah, they were able to hang on to uh, what they had for, as I said, that last thirty five minutes. Yeah, very positive. I think a lot of people going into this first leg, especially, might have thought Al Halal would have blown Arara away. They might, they had a lot of the ball as well, and you expect, like they did in the semi final to win 7 0. I mean, that can happen to very good teams, and uh, Reds, yeah, stuck in there really well. Second half, I thought they expertly managed to gain. There was that one chance for Morega, which um terrific save from Nishikawa. So you need your goalkeeper to stand up on occasion in sort of in games like this, and he did that. And other than that, Reds were very, very solid. I thought they, yeah, saw the game out really well. They didn't take, they didn't overcommit or make, take too many risks. One-one was a very good away result, and yeah, I thought they were very impressive in that second half. And uh, it's kind of how they have been after the first couple of games in the league. They don't look like a team that's going to give away too many goals to to anyone. And to do that against a team as talented as Al Hilal is uh, yeah very good and they got that extra bonus of course with uh, Salam Al Dosari getting sent off uh, towards the end is just kicking out to do well it's really stupid from him and uh, they've lost a very good player for that second leg so Reds can take a lot of confidence into that game at Saitama and I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be just as good this Saturday. Yeah, most definitely. So just uh, briefly on that incident, yeah, with uh, uh, four minutes of the 90 to go, I mean, we often, in international play, we often bemoan um, Japan national teams or indeed uh, J-League teams for their lack of um, their lack of nous, their lack of cunning and, you know, the deployment of the dark arts in in certain situations. And, I mean, I don't think Iwao expected Aldasari to, to kick out at him and, and get sent off and react in the way that he did. But, um, you know, Iwao has basically rugby tackled Aldasari to the floor, knowing that he's going to get a yellow card for his troubles because he, he wants to prevent, um, you know, uh, an Al-Hilal attack. But, yeah, for Aldasari to react in the way that he does and basically give the referee uh, no option after he um, he definitely kicks out at uh, at Iwao. It's, uh, yeah, there's uh, Al-Hilal's goal scorer from the first leg and one of their most influential attacking players um, missing from the second. So, um, yeah, whichever way 
praised Lysett. Uh, and again, it wasn't vintage Reds, but the, uh, the the performance and the way they gritted their teeth and, and got through it and, yeah, got that goal out of nothing. And then the, that, uh, yeah, getting uh, the uh, the Al-Hilal player sent off. I mean, they've, they've I'm sure they've flown back in, in pretty buoyant mood because, um, you know, all things told, uh, and uh, again, going right back to the start of the first leg, it couldn't really have worked out much better from that point onwards. No, absolutely, and they just—I think the red card came out of frustration from Al Hilal that they weren't getting the joy that they imagined. And uh, Reds, yeah, played the game cleverly. This was a good professional foul you take certain yellow cards when players like Aldasari are getting away from you. So yeah, I think it was a clever play from Iwal and uh, just—it's stupid from Aldasari. He doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to kick his foot out. Gives the referee a decision to make, and uh, yeah, he's now out of the uh, the second leg. And uh, you you saw him in the World Cup, I mean, against Argentina, it was magnificent that goal that he scored. And to lose a player of that quality is a massive blow for Al Hilal and a great positive for Reds. So yeah, I don't think this game could have worked out much better for Reds. They'd have gone into that game thinking one all away from home would have been absolutely perfect. So, yeah, hopefully they can take that on into that second leg. Obviously, they're going to have to be a little more expansive because they do have to come out and try and win the game. And Al-Halal are going to be very dangerous when they have to counter-attack. So it's going to be maybe a slightly different uh, fixture at Saitama. But, yeah, it's a wonderful platform that Reds have uh, set themselves up with. Absolutely. All right. So, well, it goes without saying, all to play for in the second leg uh, this Saturday night and should be a massive occasion, as Sam said already, with the uh, Saitama Stadium rocking and, um, yes, a chance for Reds to win the ACL for the third time in their history. And, uh, yeah, let's hope they can get across the line. It will be, obviously, a, a massive test, a massive game. And, uh, yeah, Reds have a history of turning up in this competition. And, as I said, let's hope they can lift the trophy once again. All right, then. So we'll move on to the eight games played uh, on Saturday in J1 Match Day 10. And, uh, yes, yeah, Sam mentioned it right back in the intro. A couple of uh, sleeping giants might have just uh, roused themselves over the weekend. Or, in the case of uh, Kashima Antlers, uh, continued a mini resurgence. They're now into the top half of the table. The, the uh, Yes, the bottom six. Perhaps now a distant memory for Daiki Iwamasa and his side. But we'll wait and see if they can uh, build on the last couple of results. Uh, Saturday's, uh, yeah, home clash with uh, Gumba Osaka. Well, it, uh, eventually it couldn't have gone much better, Sam. It was the uh, the late kickoff. It was the, the NHK BS1 game. And uh, on the big stage, after a goalless first half where uh, Gumba enjoyed the better of the, the chances towards the end of it, Anyway, um, it was uh, finally Hayato Nakama who broke the deadlock with a, a terrific half volley that just evaded uh, Korsi Tani uh, for uh, three minutes after the break. A um, yeah, a terrific goal, and uh, that was the, uh, the the spark that got uh, Antlers up and running in the second half. Yeah, I thought he scuffed it, but maybe I'm showing my like, well, into, into the into the season. floor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how it went in, whoever you want to see it. Yeah, yeah, it, was a, it went in. It got beat, Tani. I thought it was dreadful. Gamba defending from the corner just to let him get that space, but yeah, good finish in the end for him, and it set Kashima on their way because the first half was 
pretty dull. I think they had one decent chance towards the opening and then they continued their kind of uninspiring football. But this really kick-started them. Gamba are very easy to score against this season. They proved that with this goal. And uh, yeah, Kashima then looked to play football a little bit more. I like that Suzuki has dropped deeper now. They were playing Kakata again up front. It allows Suzuki in behind. That's where he was so good last season with... uh, Ayasueda ahead of him and yeah he just controlled and dictated the play while he was on for the re- remainder of that second half and uh, it, yeah it just um, they looked more like a Kashima team it's still not perfect they're still against a very charitable opponent but this was a really good sign from Kashima and one that we haven't really seen too much this season. Yes, I mean, Nakama, I guess it's a difficult skill. He was uh, kind of running backwards, wasn't he, to to set himself when the corner came to the back post. So whether he scuffed it or whether he just half-volleyed it into the floor, I mean, yeah, either way, um, yeah, somewhat difficult skill to manage, but he's managed to get it on target and, yeah, into the net off the fingertips of Kosei Tani. Then just past the hour, Antlers doubled their lead when Shintaro Nago crossed from the right and uh, Yuma Suzuki who was involved in the early stages of the move in midfield uh, timed his run to perfection arriving in the box to power home a header past Tani with uh, Musashi Suzuki then blazing over shortly after with the Gumba wasting a chance to halve their arrears then enter the Prince Sean Doi, and he put a bow on a very satisfying result for Daiki Iwamasa with the two goals in 90 seconds late on. Uh, he netted with uh, terrific strikes in the 86th and uh, 87th minutes. Uh, it's been a good couple of weeks for my favourites, hasn't it, Sam, with the Fuji Honda uh, powering home a goal last week. And then, uh, yeah, well, Doi giving me more than I could have uh, hoped for here with uh, a quick-fire brace. Um, he, he's obviously very much on the fringes of things uh, these days, uh, Doi, but, um, yeah, whenever he gets a chance, um, it's uh, it's good to see, uh, you know, when he, he, he's capable of explosions like this once or twice a season. And um, I don't know, he might not score for three months now, but, um, yeah, that was enough to uh, to warm the cockles of my heart, as I like to say, uh, these days on uh, on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, that can tide you over for another year before he turns up again. But, yeah, uh, terrific goals. I mean, he hasn't lost um, some quality in front of goal. Both finishes are really good. Um, they cut Gambra up and pretty easily. I thought the first goal, it was a, they gave it away, Gambra, to a second car on the halfway line. Then immediate pass forward, very positive. That was good to see. Fuji into Doi, lovely finish into the bottom corner. And then the second one is even better. He makes the space for himself really well just to get away from the defender. Another terrific finish into the bottom corner. And yeah, great for Shoma Doi. I'm not, I mean, he's yours. I don't want to take him away from you. So, uh, it's, it's a, but it's a fun, yeah, fantastic piece of football from him. Fantastic cameo from him. You haven't seen that much of him in a, a long while. I think the last time I remember him really lighting up a game was I think like a 5-3 Kashima win against Yokohama last year, where I think, did he get a hat-trick in that one? I can't quite remember. He definitely had uh, a big influence in that game. So it's waned recently, but yeah, it's good to see him uh, show up here. And uh, yeah, it, was, it put the bow on a very good Kashima performance. I can't take anything away from them. Gamba have got to be concerned. Like whenever they lose, they seem to get thumped, which isn't a great, trait to have they look quite good going forward but yeah as you say with the Suzuki chance they've missed a couple at the end of the first half and they're not really putting those away and then once 
what a team gets at them, they kind of buckle quite quickly. So, yeah, another disappointing afternoon for Gamba. But maybe this is the start of a proper Kashima revival because, yeah, last week was I don't, Niigata were very generous against them, but this was a better performance. Mm. Yeah. Now, um, this after this result, uh, as I said, Antlers into the top half of the table in ninth. Of course, keeping in mind there is uh, quite a logjam from say, uh, of course, Reds were off, but uh, so they have a game in hand and have 17 points. So, not playing spoiler here, but yes, from what we're going to come on to later, FC Tokyo are sixth on 15 points, and I don't know, maybe you go down to Tosu, who have 11 in, in 15th spot. I mean, you can pretty much throw a blanket over, what's that, nine nine or 10 teams. So the the difference between Antlers and Gumba now, Sam, is six points. And, I mean, in simple terms, Antlers have won their last two games, and Gumba have drawn and uh, lost uh, this one on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, t- uh, two games ago, um, they were separated by a point. So is is 4-0 an accurate reflection, do you think, of the gap between these two teams? Was it just a disappointing performance and capitulation in the second half from Gumba? Or is this literally the start of something from, from Kashima? Did they flick a switch and um, are there, in inverted commas, troubles over? Oh, I definitely wouldn't say that, not with Iwamasa at the helm. But yeah. uh, it was a definite, I think it was a combination of a capitulation from Gamba, especially the way they conceded that first one. It was such a poor way to concede. And then heads dropped. They got caught open fairly easily. They lost. They had no real defensive discipline. So I think it helped Kashima. That did, like, it allowed them to play a better football, but there were signs that they weren't going to just lump the ball forward as they did still first half but they looked to play more progressively they looked to move through the line as well like play the way that Kashima usually play like we've grown to know Kashima so there were definitely the seeds of improvement there it looks like he's taken a few of the criticisms on board Iwamasa he's changed the team up a little bit he's definitely thinking about things more than whatever he was doing before with Suzuki up top and just lump it to him so yeah, there were definitely signs of progression. I wouldn't go any further than that because they've won two games, but I thought Niigata last week were really poor and Gamba as well, the second half especially, were really poor. So it's not. I'm not going to say Kashima out of the woods yet, but yeah, it's definitely signs of progress. And Gamba, yeah, it's just a... I don't obviously four 0 I don't think is the mass is the gap between them. I think Gamba can play really good football, but they are just so open. I think Rio was touching on it last week in terms of yes, you've got Usami in there and it's great for them going forward and he's involved heavily there and they can look good going forward in that respect. But it does leave massive gaps in midfield that aren't really covered by Darwin and Lavik who like to wander around as well and defensively they're really poor. So. Yeah, I think this is more of a wake-up call for Gamba, who really need to sort themselves out with discipline defensively. Yeah, all right then. So uh, Gamba uh, now second from bottom after uh, Kashua Reysol uh, got a point from their exertions on Saturday that we'll come on to later on in the episode. But uh, yeah, so as I said, Antlers up to ninth and uh, we'll wait and see. I guess I'm kind of leaning towards asking you when uh, when does a small sample size stop becoming a small sample size, Sam, and when can we actually kind of uh, make some concrete conclusions I- into uh, what's gone on so far with uh, almost, uh, almost all uh, teams having played uh, 10 games now, obviously, after uh, the weekend with uh, just Reds and Toast. To, uh, to make a game up. But, uh, yeah, obviously a lot of work for, for Danny Poyatos to do uh, this week and in the coming weeks to try and get to Gumba 
clicking again. All right. So, uh, yes, also escaping the bottom six uh, after uh, Saturday's uh, games was uh, was Kawasaki Frontale, of course, uh, one of the uh, the giants of the J-League, especially in the last six years or so. They headed down to Fukuoka, who were flying high in the top six, of course, Avispa. But uh, visiting Frontale took an early lead in the driving rain at the Best Denki Stadium. Yasuto Wakizaka cutting back for Kyohei Noborizato to fire into an unguarded net in just the 12th minute, with uh, Lukian heading narrowly wide from Kazuya Kondo's corner in the 25th minute for the hosts. But, uh, yeah, Frontale, the conditions pretty pretty ordinary, weren't they, down in uh, Fukuoka-san? But, yeah, an important goal and from an unlikely source in uh, Noborizato to get uh, Kawasaki on their way. Yeah, it was a kind of old-school Kawasaki in terms of high, their wing-backs getting high, both of them, and Noborizato coming in at the back post. But, yeah, it was a good run from him and completely unmarked because of his all got attracted to the ball that everyone seemed to go there and left Navarrezato on his own at the back. But he was a, a lot better player. They were, they were quicker in their movement. They were quicker getting the ball forward, getting it down the line. Good movement from Wakizaka to get to the byline. And yeah, it was an old score Kawasaki goal. When they're in their heyday, the amount of times we said this was a Kawasaki goal when they get to the byline, pull it back, and there's someone there to, to, to knock it in. So that was um, a good sign. It was a good start from... Kawasaki and uh, especially when you play against Avispa that early goal is so crucial because they are so happy to sit in and soak up pressure and the longer the game goes they frustrate opponents and can nick goals at the other end so it was perfect for Kawasaki to start in the manner that they did and yeah it's always puts Avispa at the back on the back foot because they don't they're not really used to going and chasing games and if they have to chase games they leave more space in behind and it really played out really really well for Kawasaki it was like the perfect scenario for them to try and click back into some sort of groove. Indeed. So, yeah, early in the second half, Taisei Miyashiro definitely turned in across from Akihiro Iyanaga to make it 2-0, with Miyashiro denied a second minutes later by a fine one-on-one stop by Masaki Murakami. And obviously, it goes without saying, Sam, they really need the Miyashiro to, to click into goal-scoring form, don't they? Because, uh, yeah, with the, the, still a lot of uncertainty regarding uh, Leandro Damiel moving forward, um, Miyashiro really has to carry the can. And, um, yeah, I was hoping for more from him for my fantasy team in the early going of the, uh, the J-League fantasy season. I guess I was asking a little bit too much of him uh, to put so much responsibility on his shoulders in my team right from the start, but um, again, uh, yeah, if he can, uh, if he can build on this, and indeed his teammates can as well, then um, yes, they can, uh, they can start to look up the table after what had been a, a very disappointing start to the campaign. Yeah, because I don't think they've used him properly either because I think they got so used to playing with Leandro Damian and that way of playing that they didn't really then consider that Misha is a completely different player. You have to play the, the way they did to, in, in, in respect to this game in terms of getting to the byline, getting balls across low instead of launching balls into the into the area or whatnot or playing more direct football. You have to have more of a, a quicker build-up to utilise his pace and his movement in and around defenders. And, yeah, they finally did that here. So they're going to have to rely on him because, yeah, I don't know, Damian came back for three games, I think two off the bench, one start. I think that must have been in the cup, and then he's disappeared again. So 
at his age now, you can't rely on him to be the regular starter. So they have to build and utilize Miyashiro. So, yeah, this was a good performance from him. I thought, yeah, they struggled to contain him, the, the two centre backs, Grolly and Nara. Grolly and um, Nara, again, as we're going to the third goal, it's, it's again good movement from Miyashiro. To, um, the cross from Tono is coming into him. Nara has to try and react to it and ends up sliding it into his own nets. But that's also, that's again, Good play down the left from the winger, cutting it in. Miyashiro with great movement. And, yeah, it was just a good formula that really worked in this game. And, yeah, a lot of it is down to the way that Miyashiro came in. So, hopefully, like you, that he can build on this. And, uh, yeah, but it was a really positive performance. And it's, it's a blueprint now for Frontale to go on for the rest of the season. Indeed, yeah. Not sure I've got space for him in my fantasy team again these days. But, uh, yeah, if he keeps knocking him in, then uh, yeah, he might be banging down the door uh, back into my uh, back into my 15. All right, so, yeah, you've mentioned it there. It was a, uh, a bittersweet moment, especially for Neil Debnam, I'm sure, in the 65th minute when uh, former Frontale favourite, uh, try saying that five times quickly, uh, Tatsuki Nara, uh, yes, bundled a uh, Diatono cross into the net uh, for an own goal uh, against his former club. And, uh, yeah, that was a uh, ball game wrapped up with uh, 25 minutes to go. Uh, though uh, Reju Tsuruno did uh, grab a VAR-assisted consolation for Avispa with five minutes left. So, um, yeah, I don't think there'll be too many warning bells ringing at the Best Anki Stadium, Sam. But, uh, I mean, it is three without a win. And, um Obviously, a big chance to prove their mettle up in the top six with a visit of the not-too-long-ago champions. But, um, yeah, I guess uh, a, a frustrating performance from, from Fukuoka, and it definitely left their uh, their supporters uh, wanting more, especially after that slow start. And, yeah, as you say, they weren't able to, to really work their way back into the game, were they? Yeah, they didn't really get going. It was just one of those days, I think, for them where sort of, sort of Kawasaki were ahead. Like that, that, maybe that free header from Lukian was the moment that could have got them back into the game. But mm. other than that, I thought yeah, Kawasaki were pretty comfortable up until that late consolation goal. So I'm, I'm interested, to, uh, Daniel, I'm sure, is listening. And I'd like to see what is the feeling among Fukuoka supporters this season? Because I don't think they ever expected to be 6th, 7th or challenging for the ACL. And currently now 12 points clear of relegation. What, like, what's the mindset for Avispa going into the season? Are they quite comfortable at the moment and just think, oh yeah, we can probably coast this season? Or are there genuine belief, is there a genuine belief that they can compete and push towards a top half or top six finish? I'm not really sure because we both have them relegation battling this season i'm not sure if they're just going to be quite comfortable um with the way that the season is going to turn out so it'd be interesting like is there enough motivation for those players to really get up for every game as if it's do or die when there's such a big gap and such a poor team at the bottom of the league mm. yeah it's uh, an interesting question about yeah the mindset of the the players and also the supporters i mean the supporters first and foremost want to stay in the league and um, yeah, I'm sure they're uh, they're very very content with the way things are going. But yeah, it's a matter of uh, how high they can go and um, how high the uh, the club and the uh, yeah the, the playing group set their own expectations and and manage those throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have days like Saturday, and um, obviously a Fug- uh, Fukuoka uh, will uh, we look to kick back into form and uh, yeah end this uh, winless run. Uh, in, interestingly enough. Uh, on Wednesday in the the J Talk Derby, so uh, we'll see how they fare 
uh, when they take on uh, FC Tokyo uh, at the best Denki Stadium. That is in Fukuoka, isn't it, on uh, on Wednesday, I think. So, uh, yes, yes, that is correct. So uh, we'll see on uh, Wednesday afternoon, I should say. All right, then. So, uh, yeah, um, Kawasaki out of the bottom six. And, uh, yeah, maybe they're starting to look upwards themselves along with Kashima. All right, so my pick of the uh, the round uh, on the last week's episode was uh, Kobe hosting Shonan, uh, the leaders entertaining the, uh, the the team who visited the Novia Stadium, having uh, claimed draws against the teams who were then uh, second and third in the table in their two previous match days, Shonan Belmare. Uh, in the uh, the first 15 minutes or so, there was a goalmouth action at either end. First in the 12th minute, uh, Song Bum Kyun made a fine save down low to his left to keep out uh, Kobe's ever-dangerous Koya Yuruki. And shortly after, a song's opposite number, Daya Maikawa, leapt to his right to keep out a Shuto Machino effort. But then Vissel took a spectacular lead in the 21st minute when Ryo Hatsusei curled a 30-yard free kick over the Shonan wall and out of reach of Song's full-stretch dive to his left. Uh, so, yeah, a terrific goal from Hatsusei. Uh, it's become very important on set pieces, hasn't he, for, for Vissel, Sam? And uh, this was a, a tremendous way to score your first goal of the season. Yeah, absolutely fantastic from him. And he, as you say, he has become very important because like, I have doubts about him in general play as a left back. As a, I don't think he's the greatest defensively. But, yeah, he's carved out a niche in this team look his set piece delivery is second to none it's very very good and if he can add direct free kicks from 30 yards in, into his locker as well i think yeah he becomes a vital part to this team and a player that they can sort of carry a little bit in terms of uh like his ability defensively but yeah to add this to his bonus yes great for kobe and if this was a terrific free kick because song has proven to be a very good goalkeeper and it takes something a bit special uh to beat him and this was just that it was a perfect free kick into the top corner no chance for the goalkeeper and yeah a really really good goal because it broke a little bit of a, it was an even game up until that point or shonan had battled well they created chances they were going toe to toe with kobe and yeah it was it's kind of a cliche, of course, but the first goal was very important in this game, and it it mm. proved to be uh, with this one because Kobe then took uh, took more control of the game. They they were more at ease in this match because Shona were giving them a real fight up until this point. But yeah, such a good free kick, yeah, and a vital goal for Kobe. Yeah, absolutely. So we're five minutes before the break. Yoshinori Muto zoomed through the center and slipped in. Yuruki only for the wide man to guide his first time shot wide of Song's right hand post. And Machino was denied by Maikawa again on uh, two occasions early in the second half. But uh, Shonan's best chance to equalize might have been a uh, free header from just outside the six yard box by Hiroyuki Abe in the 67th minute. He glanced wastefully wide with uh, Hirokazu Ishihara slicing into the side netting when well-placed shortly after. So uh, having escaped those two let-offs, Vissel then scored the killer second at 10 minutes from time. And again, Muto's been so important to them this season. And again, he was heavily involved here, harrying a defender to win a throw just inside the Shonan half, then uh, hurling the ball forward 
to Yuya Osako, who with the three defenders around him somehow managed to bundle the ball into the path of uh, Hotaru Yamaguchi, who swept home first time, and that was that. So a little bit of uh, yeah fortune about about the goal, Sam. With the yeah, I mean Osako basically shinning the ball into a defender, or yeah, vice versa. But the the ball ending up in the in the path of Yamaguchi, who. Uh, instinctively swept home as I said but uh, yeah I guess uh, for Sean and maybe this was just one game too far after their exertions in the the two previous games uh, I think they could still leave this one with their heads held high obviously a, a, a very difficult trip to the the current leaders but um, yeah Kobe just to carry on after uh, last week's disappointment they were getting back to winning ways and um, still well and truly top of the pile yeah, absolutely. Shonan, I don't think, disgraced themselves at all. I thought it was a good performance in general, beaten by a wonderful free kick. And then a bit of quick thinking from Muto, a bit of um, a bit of poor defending, uh, one mistake. But Kobe are a team that can absolutely punish them. I think Muto and Osaka so far this season have been magnificent, both of them. Not just in the way that they play on the ball and the goals and assists they create, but you mentioned Muto's work rate to win the throw. Then Osaka's work rate to get the ball back and make the tackle in, um, in the area both of them play they do that all the time they're pressing from both of them they're two players that have done it in Europe they've had a good reasonable international careers they're both over 30 but the work rate they both put in and they set the tone in terms of the pressing for Kobe and it's just been yeah great to watch it's been so important for them to have both of these players fit they're both playing really well Mukto occasionally gets a little bit um, unfortunately in front of goal shall we say but both of them have put in a, a power of work this season and uh, that's a key reason why Kobe are top of the league at the moment I think both have been magnificent yeah, so the uh, the good times continue to roll at the Nauru Stadium. And, uh, yeah, as we said, Seanan can leave and uh, f- uh, f- live to fight another day. But, uh, yeah, far from disgraced uh, after their trip to the league leaders. All right, uh, next uh, we'll head to the team who are now hot on uh, Kobe's coattails, uh, Sanfrecce Hiroshima, who uh, obviously have shaken off some uh, disappointment in the first couple of games of the season. And then, uh, yeah, a slip up at home to FC Tokyo last week. Well, they rebounded uh, eventually away at Cerezo Osaka. Sam, this was, uh, well, yeah, quite a game uh, for more reasons than one. But again, I'm going to have to mention the shot count uh, later on and the discrepancy between the J-League and Google just for uh, old time's sake, listeners. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the die of this game was cast in the first 10 minutes with uh, Kim Jin-hyun twice saving from Nassim Ben Khalifa, and though uh, in the 15th minute, a first-time cross-in from Shinji Kagawa was met by a diving header from Hirotaka Tamida with the ball squirming out of uh, Keisuke Osako's grasp and the keeper just uh, able to gather it before it crossed the line. I mean, for the the most part, this was just, uh, it seemed like a uh, a, an attack versus defense drill with the the visiting San Freche players just uh, lining up to to take pot shots at uh, Kim Jin-hyun's goal. Uh, They uh, left it extremely late, but they were finally able to break through. Oh, absolutely. I think eventually it might be a good title for their end-of-season DVD because that seems to be the way <laughs> every game has gone. They've had so many shots in pretty much every game. They batter opponents, but they can't finish anything. And it just takes forever and ever. And eventually the Douglas Vieira uh, uh, shows up and uh, bails them out. It was just another incredible game in which they just peppered the uh, Cerezo goals uh, 
mixture of good goalkeeping, some poor finishing, a little bit of uh, fortune for Cerezo. But yeah, it was just one of those games again for Hiroshima. It looked like maybe time was running out. It looked like they'd thrown everything at them, but they kept going to their credit. They eventually got a deserved winner. But it was just, yeah, it was just, we've seen this game almost play out exactly about three or four times this season. Just Hiroshima just absolutely batter an opponent and eventually get over the line. So, yeah, good result. Another decent performance, but just if only they had a striker. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned it so many times already this season, and, yeah, it's come uh, it's come to uh, to bear again. Uh, yeah, as you say, bailed them out. That's exactly what uh, Douglas Vieira has done again um, with his uh, yeah volley from close range in the 93rd minute to, uh, off a cross in from Ezekiel. Um, I mean, yeah, should we talk about how ballistic Douglas Vieira went? They're throwing water bottles, the snapping corner flags. <laughs> I mean, if we, if each of those is worth a yellow card apiece, then uh, he probably should have gotten sent off. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, definitely an, an outpouring of emotion from the big man. And, um, well, yeah, I, I guess... For his entire um, yeah band of teammates as well, because as we've said, they've they've had so many games like this uh, this season where they didn't just threaten to bang the door down, they threatened to kick the whole building in. And um, yeah, he uh, yeah, I guess you can understand the outpouring of emotion when they were finally able to break through. But I don't know, he might have gone a fraction too far, uh, the old Douglas Vieira. Yeah, I'm not sure they, they quite the anger that was displayed in there. I appreciate the passion, but yeah, just leave a corner flag alone. Someone's going to pay for that to <laughs> replace it. But yeah, I suppose that when it's been, you've had so many games like this and so many, it's like it all builds up and to release that with a late minute goal, I can understand it. And I'm sure it was a great, um, in the away end for Hiroshima supporters and a fantastic moment for him. But yeah, I think a fine needs to be, <laughs> they need to pay for a corner flag for uh, poor Cerezo. Indeed, indeed. All right, so, uh, well, yes, Cerezo came in on the back of uh, two straight victories, Sam, and we wondered if they had uh, turned a corner after, um, again, a a slightly spotty start to the season as well themselves. So, uh, yeah, how concerned should their supporters be at the way they were, um, well, is it too strong to say that they were utterly dominated for the most part here? Um I mean, it's obviously, as we've said, it's not the first time Hiroshima have uh, have played in a similar manner against against opponents this year. And indeed, they've, they've kind of set out a, a pattern of that's how Hiroshima games are going to go. So, again, is there a massive disgrace in that for Cerezo? I'm not sure. But on their own patch, they would have expected to put on a, a better performance and a more well-rounded performance rather than, uh, yeah, just getting dominated for pretty much 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, this is a, a, a definitely a performance that uh, Akio Kogiku will uh, will be analysing and, and definitely trying to improve on for uh, yeah his his side going forward. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, there was very little between these two sides last season, and then you'd still expect Cerezo would expect to be challenging for an ACL position. So for them to have a home game against a fellow competitor for that and be completely playing off the park has to be some level of concerning. They didn't create anything bar that one chance that you mentioned, which Osako kind of almost spilt into his own net. But other than that, like you, you look at the quality that they have on the field, Okono, Kagawa, Harakawa, Maikuma's good, Leo Sierra, and to not really test uh, San Freche uh, defensively, I think, is a slight concern. I think defensively, again, 
it's easy to say that say oh, it was a positive defensive display to keep them to nil nil for 90 minutes, but it wasn't really because there were so many chances that Hiroshi on another day and um, could have won four or five. So yeah, this was a disappointing display. They've got to look to be able to press themselves on opponents more and look to play quicker on the counter attack. If you are having to sit in as they had to in this game, there has to be an outlet. There has to be some way of causing concern to the other team because Hiroshima are able to camp in the Cerezo half for large periods of this game without much fear of any attack in behind. So they maybe have to look out. Do they have that level of player in the squad? Do they have that person that's going to necessarily go the other way? Because Tamada on the one wing is a fairly conservative winger. Mike Kuma is really a reformed uh, right back. And Kagawa is not going to burst past anyone in attacking midfield. Neither is Leo Sierra. So they don't really have the ability to set up and properly uh, properly hit um, a team on the counter-attack. So without Kapi Shaba, who maybe could have done that, I don't think there's necessarily the option for that. So maybe they have to look at getting another player or two in in the summer just to have that sort of option when you come against in, into these games to be able to play in that manner because they completely were unable to control the game. And once uh, Cerezo aren't able to dictate the the, the play they because they like to have the ball but quite slowly and build up. But, uh, yeah, they weren't able to do that. So, it's yeah, the concern would maybe be if plan A isn't necessarily working for Cerezo, do they have another way of playing? And on this evidence, it would say no. Mm. Yeah, all right then. And um, I know you can't wait to, for this, listeners, but, uh, yeah, 6 to 17 or 7 to 28. I'll uh, I'll just leave those uh, two, uh, yeah, series of numbers there. And, uh, yeah, you can decide whose uh, trust you want to, uh, yeah, who, who you want to put your trust into. But, uh, yeah, they are the shot counts from, from this game, according to two different outlets. But, uh, anyway, that's uh, by the by. Uh, 1-0 is the most important stat uh, from that match. And, uh, yes, it's taken Hiroshima up to second. So that means, yes, the, the teams that were... Uh, second and third at, at the beginning of the match day in, uh, yeah, respectively, Nagoya and uh, Yokohama F. Marinos. Well, they both slid a spot in the table after their one-all draw at the Nissan Stadium. This uh, game that I guess promised a lot, Sam, on paper, and it was obviously a fascinating, um, yeah, uh, contrast in styles we were expecting. Um, oftentimes, big games like these... Uh, deliver in spades and sometimes they leave you wanting more uh, i think the the quality of the two goals uh, that we saw from firstly from uh, rioya morishta four minutes before the break that uh, gave grampus the lead and then the f marino's captain takiyakita equalizing 18 minutes from time well yeah we can't complain about the the quality of the two strikes but uh, apart from that it was uh yeah again while it had its intrigue and um, probably not quite the spectacle we were hoping for overall no, because when you looked at the Kobe Marinos game last week, it was kind of two teams playing really well, going toe to toe, and it yeah, produced a good spectacle. In this game, I've got to be honest, I thought Marinos were rubbish, especially in the first half. They were trying to play out from the back a little bit, but they kind of they've lost that authority, that air about them, that that confidence to just beat um, a press and they just didn't do that in this game they kept giving the ball away but Nagoya they especially with Juncker not starting he had a slight knock during midweek so he was only on the bench and then you they got into positions but it was usually Nagai with the ball and uh, he had one of those games where whenever he had it he just made the wrong decision or he didn't find the right pass there was one uh, they countered 
they'd won it high and then there's like two what maybe one or two defenders completely out of position and the ball was there for Mateus that he had to play it and uh just passed it straight, well, too close to Takeoka. And they had a number of those occasions where if they were more clinical, they could have gone two or three and up in that first half and Marinos really couldn't have complained. But there was that lack of quality from them in the final third to really take advantage of that. And yes, they did score eventually through Marshter, who kind of just took it upon himself, got the ball caught inside and a really good finish low into the bottom corner. But uh, yeah, they didn't take advantage of that period, I thought, where they completely outplayed. They completely had Marinos on the ropes because, yeah, just I don't think there's much confidence coming from the goalkeeper who just, his distribution is so woeful and they're chopping a change of the right back out of necessity due to injuries. And uh, I don't think Matt Sabaro was particularly fit in this game. Hatanaka still makes mistakes and Sonodo though can be brilliant I think still has that rawness to him and he still makes errors as well so this was one where nothing was really clicking for them but Nagoya just didn't take advantage and if you allow Yokohama to remain in the game as long as Nagoya did they eventually can break you down and get a goal back and that's kind of how this game played out it was a better performance in the second half from Yokohama but yeah I just thought first off they were so dreadful and Nagoya really should have taken advantage of it. Yeah, puzzling one, especially after yeah, such a positive result for F. Marinos, obviously, last week uh, away at the leaders. And, uh, yeah, weren't really able to uh, impose themselves on, on, on Grampus, who, as we know, are obviously a very difficult team to break down. And uh, with Kobe have the, uh, the uh, joint best defence in terms of goals allowed after uh, 10 rounds. But uh, a, a point apiece... And, uh, yeah, I guess these two roll on to Wednesday and they see, uh, yeah, where uh, they, their, their next uh, game takes them because, uh, yeah, uh, both could feel, um, yeah, different levels of regret, I think, about this, uh, this game and ultimately this result. Grampus, uh, you would have expected them to hold on, but as you say, uh, F. Marino is always capable of fashioning a chance, especially when, uh, yeah, Elber is on the pitch and, uh, yeah, he set up his captain for the F. Marino's equaliser. All right, then, so uh, next to the game that was uh, your choice for pick of the round, Sam, on uh, on Saturday, FC Tokyo hosting Niigata in the Albert Pucci derby. Well, we got two terrific goals at the Nissan Stadium and, uh, well, yes, three at uh, Ajinomoto uh, on Saturday afternoon. And they all came inside the first 35 minutes. And, well, thankfully for me as an FC Tokyo supporter, two of them were for the good guys. And, uh, yes, that meant that Tokyo ran out 2-1 victors over Pucci's old club, Albert X Niigata. Yeah, they did. And um, yeah, as you say, really good goals. I thought the first Watanabe, I just think I, I really like him. I think he's fantastic going forward. I think, uh, yeah, he just brings that energy. That was a good uh, link up with uh, Nakagawa. And he's, yeah, he's just kind of coming into his own a little bit, Nakagawa, maybe maybe a slightly so start. But yeah, I just think he's get improving um, as the games go on. It was quite unfortunate, actually, that he went off with an injury. So hopefully there's nothing too serious there. And I think ever since I think um, you may be put the rocket up, Diego Oliveira's after a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks ago, because he's been a lot better. I thought the way that he has been more clever in the way of his hold-up play, I think he's been able to bring players in a lot more. And then his second got his goal yeah the way it comes to him he managed to make space evade some defenders and then absolute rockets it into the top corner i think maybe another goalkeeper would have saved it abe 
kind of I don't think really get there. I think it was just past him before he could uh, really react. So maybe I'm doing him a disservice. And it was a terrific stroke, definitely from Diego. So yeah, I thought Tokyo looked very positive going forward. And what can you do about Rio Tarito? He's going to score something against you. So I don't think you can have too many complaints about that. But I thought it was a really positive display from Tokyo, one of their better performances this season. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I mean, got to give Diego his his credit and uh, thank him for obviously being a listener because, uh, yeah, it took a, a mini rocket from me to, to get him going. And, uh, yeah, Rio mentioned he was uh, good, obviously, last week against Hiroshima. And, well, I mean, I think Rio thinks he's good uh, pretty much on a week-to-week basis and probably sees more in uh, Diego's game than than I do. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, he's, he's definitely... Uh, been much better uh, and that's been much appreciated in in the last couple of weeks and yeah this was uh i mean probably one of the more nonchalant spectacular match winners you'll ever see and celebrated in a very um very nonchalant style as well wasn't it by uh, by the big man and well uh, his uh casualness if that's a word he kind of came back to to bite him obviously with his uh, ridiculous penalty routine uh, in the second half didn't it but uh, yeah that shouldn't take away from uh, his goal that, that turned out to be um, yeah the winner in the 34th minute a, uh, a, a stunning strike into the top corner at the near post as you say Sam but yeah that came after a, a flurry inside the first 15 minutes when yeah Teruhito Nakagawa gave Tokyo the lead in the eighth minute and then uh, yes the uh, the man of the moment for uh, for Niigata no question Ryotaro Ito curled a, a free kick from almost 30 yards around the outside of the Tokyo wall and uh, inside Jakub Slovic's left-hand post in the 12th minute. Yeah, uh, Ito is in uh, such a rich vein of form. Uh, he was obviously the man Tokyo had to watch, but, uh, yeah, weren't able to to do really much of anything from that free kick. Uh, yeah, Diego getting uh, Tokyo back in front, as we said, uh, 11 minutes before the break. And then, um, yeah, 12 minutes into the second half, Nakagawa was uh, upended in the box by uh, Michael Fitzgerald with the uh, VAR suggesting the referee check the monitor. A, a penalty was awarded, but, uh, yes, Diego after doing his uh, daft stuttering run-up routine, dragged the spot kick well wide of uh, Kota Abe's right-hand post. And, uh, yes, you you you, uh, you thought that you were quite pleased with that, Sam. I think all the, all those sort of run-ups should be done away with, shouldn't they? Absolutely. And the minute he starts dancing up to the ball or whatever he's doing, I hope it goes wide. I was delighted that he did. That should be punishable by at least a red card whenever you start doing that. And it should be banished from the game. It's just... Stupid, just run up and eat it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. All right, so um, just before we leave this game, Sam, uh, we've um, we've mentioned and we've given uh, praise to Takashima and Kawasaki for uh, getting out of the bottom six. Now, after 10 rounds, suddenly Niigata and Shonan find themselves in the bottom six, two teams that had uh, kind of drawn rave reviews at a different time so far this season for their positive starts to the campaign. And uh, again, I think this is always going to have to be a caveat throughout the season. And, we, you know, we, uh, we don't want to... Um be too rude or too negative to Yokohama FC supporters. And again, I've said it recently and I'll say it again this week because neither Kashiwa nor Gamba have won to, to really put any distance between themselves and Yokohama FC. But it does look inevitable that they're going to be cut adrift. So, yes, being in the bottom six, frankly, it doesn't really matter as much as it normally uh, would, does it, Sam, this season? But, um, 
Yeah, uh, and again, there isn't a huge point difference between Niigata and Shonan, and uh, indeed, uh, front, they're, they're both um, yeah, right uh, right there with Frontale, and indeed just a, a point or two behind uh, Kashima. As we said earlier, the, the logjam in mid-table is, uh, is quite... Uh, it, it is quite congested in there, but um, yeah, the uh, these two are slipping down slightly. Uh, again, there's no alarm bells going off, but um, just uh, again, one positive result, I guess, can turn things around for them pretty quickly. Oh yeah, as you mentioned, that complete log jam in mid mid table, one win potentially takes a team from 13th to sixth. So I don't think they're going to be too worried. I think you mentioned earlier when can you start making assumptions of the table and when can you really look into it. And so I think 10 games is a fair point to look at that. And you've got maybe five teams that you'd say are battling for the title. So if you go Reds um, upwards, and it does look like there's a clear bottom three at the moment in Raysol who don't seem to be able to pull out a win. Gamba are going to capitulate every, every other game, and Yokohama FC have just yeah, just not been very good. So uh, it looks like that mid-table, you could, throw, as you said earlier, throw a blanket over them. I think, yeah, one defeat, it maybe looks like that it's all going wrong for one of these teams, but they win in midweek and they're suddenly in the top half again. So I don't think there's any major concern for either of those two teams. I think with Niigata, every time they lose a couple of players, I think it really hurts them. I think they're so thin in terms of... Uh, squad depth and much like this game Kojima was out it was a vital part of the scene goal and Thomas Deng was out as well so that was a yeah huge blow for to lose both of them and for Shonan they've also had picked up a couple of key injuries and El Yanusi was out or Nose is there picked up a knock or Komoto was out of the squad uh, this week so with those sorts of teams when unlike a Kashima or a Kawasaki where they can although Kawasaki have had so many injuries but you can ride one or two uh, Niigata and Sean, I don't think have the depth to be able to do that. So if they're out for any length of time, then you might see them being like one of those teams that sticks to 14th, 15th place. But yeah, I don't think it's any major cause for concern. Both teams, uh, both teams have been able to play pretty well. Shonan, as you mentioned, the two results prior, prior to this were very good. And it's just that sort of difficult run of fixtures can leave them to go uh, to drop down in the table. But I think both teams will be fine. I don't think either of them have any real concerns this season. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, yeah, as as we said in the build-up to this uh, Tokyo Niigata game, I mean, they came in with identical records, didn't they? So yeah, now there's three points between them. But um, yeah, no uh, no alarm bells ringing uh, at the Big Swan. I'm sure after their uh, their two-one defeat. Uh, in the capital. All right, so we've got two games left. Sam, we've mentioned it uh, numerous times over the last few weeks. They're not cut adrift yet, uh, and uh, Yokohama FC, uh, well, they continue to give uh, their supporters glimpses of hope here and there. When they hosted Sapporo on Saturday, uh, well, they got a glimpse of uh, yeah what might be after just 39 seconds when uh, Saulo Minero's cross was miscontrolled by Sapporo's Takuro Kaneko uh, in uh, and uh, Tomoki Kondo slid in to nick the ball away from the Sapporo goalkeeper Takanori Sugano and poked in from a yard out. So a dream start for the hosts. And before um, we got a perfect uh, uh, glimpse of uh, Yokohama FC's season in a nutshell with uh, Induka Boniface 
Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that, Sam. But um, they uh, they should have had uh, a penalty, really, to make it 2-0, Yokohama FC. And from there, obviously, you never know, and it's the great hypothetical. But, um, yeah, a, uh, one of the uh, the few things we really have to comment on VAR from, uh, from this weekend, and unfortunately for the bottom club, um, yeah, it's come at their expense. This week in VAR. This week in VAR. This week. Yeah, when you're down there, nothing really goes your way. And I think that was a case here. I think they started so well. First 20 minutes, I thought it was all Yokohama. FC obviously got the goal early. And yeah, Ogawa has it uh, just in the area. I think he's completely taken out by Suga. I think it's a clear penalty. I'm amazed this wasn't reviewed. I think it's a really poor decision. I know Yokohama supporters were quite disappointed with the official throughout the game. And uh, I can't speak to all the decisions, but this one certainly went against them. And yeah, it could easily, with Ogawa taking the penalty, be 2-0. This could be a completely different story because they had Sapporo on the ropes. But yeah, when things aren't going for you, these things sort of happen. And eventually, Yokohama did what Yokohama if, uh, do this season or have done this season and started to capitulate. But yeah, a real shame that they weren't given that opportunity to go 2-0 up because this was, again, for 20, 30 minutes, maybe one of their better performances of the season. Yeah, that's it. They uh, they they give you a glimmer, don't they? But uh, yeah, it's ultimately it's um, yeah, stringing ninety minutes together is is still beyond them. But yeah, maybe they used up all their good luck and all their rub of the green last week uh, at uh, at Gumbo Osaka with the yeah the uh, the hosts hitting the woodwork on so many occasions, uh, especially late on. But uh, yeah, well I mentioned it. Their their season in a nutshell, uh, basically uh, six minutes. Before the break, uh, there didn't appear to be any danger on with uh, Induka Boniface set to head away a ball over the top, uh, only to stumble uh, with the ball coming off his face uh, as he fell backwards uh, into the path of Yuya Asano, who uh, didn't need much invitation to blast home past Sven Brodersen from 25 yards and then yet yeah, never range it pause uh, your camera fc they couldn't uh, clear from a sapporo set piece uh, asano drove low on target from outside the box brodison saved but uh, siyoshi ogashiwa reacted to the loose ball and volleyed in from close range and yes from a goal uh, a goal down Sapporo found themselves uh, a goal to the good in first half stoppage time then uh, salominero uh, his blast it was tipped onto the bar by Sugino uh, 12 minutes into the second half with uh, Rioya Yamashita volleying the rebound uh, into the arms of a, a scrambling Sugino. And then three minutes later, it was game over. Ogashiwa, Takuma Arano and Daiki Suga combining to set up Asano, who finished off his brace to fire in for 3-1 with uh, Shunta Tanaka putting the icing on the cake in second half stoppage time. So uh, another win for Sapporo, their uh, yeah, alternating results these days, Sam, which was, obviously comes as no surprise to any of us. And um, after 10 games, they have the very pleasing stat line of a 20 goals scored and 20 goals conceded. So, yeah, two a game for them and two a, two a game against them. And, yeah, you can pretty much rely on that with the Sapporo. And that obviously makes them one of the great entertainers of the J-League, obviously. They uh, they can throw in some absolutely woeful performances, but when they get their tails up, uh, and obviously really pleasing to see uh, Yuya Asano uh, get some love and, and, and yeah, bag a brace here. Um, uh, they are obviously capable of getting onto a roll and uh, sweeping away a, a lesser team. 
Oh, absolutely. They are so good to have. I've never won Misha Petrovic and Zaporo to leave the league because, yeah, they're good value, whatever we great or terrible, whatever it might be. But, yeah, lovely to have them. And, yeah, great you mentioned Asano there. One month he's had four goals and two assists. He's probably a contender for player of the month this this month. He's really stepped up um, after maybe a slightly slow start to his career at Zaporo, but I think he fits in really well as one of those sort of plays half as a striker, half behind it, depending on what how many midfielders uh, Misha Petrovic decides to play in one game. But yeah, he's getting into really good positions and but took both of his goals well. Yes, he got the luck with the first one, but he's still 20 yards out and fires it into the bottom corner. It's a really good finish and yeah, finished off that lovely move uh, for the third goal. And yeah, he's just playing really well. And at their best, Sapporo can look like a fantastic polished team going forward all interconnecting that third goal yes everyone stands off him it's not great defending from Yoko Rassi but the way they swept the ball from right to left uh, yeah it was uh, really good so they took a full advantage of uh, um, Yokohama's uh, kind of their heads always go that's their problem whenever something goes against Yokohama FC they've got no ability to bounce back their heads just go down it all goes wrong and then you end up with the fourth goal which is atrocious from everyone involved I mean four or five players swiped it in the penalty area nobody really makes any sort of proper contact on it until centre-back Tanaka comes up and shows them how it's done so yeah that kind of summed up I suppose Yokohama FC as well but yeah great from Sapporo and yeah long live Misha Petrovic is a constant Sapporo yeah terrific stuff all right so that leaves us with just one game left to review from Saturday then listeners and it came at Hitachi Dai uh, Kashiwa hosted Kyoto and um, yeah it uh, ended 1-1 there Kyoto took the lead again and it was uh, Yuta Toyokawa who put them in front again just as he did last week against Tosu and his uh, goal had uh, yeah echoes of uh, last week's strike as well he uh, brought down a ball in from the left and uh, blasted home with his right foot in just the eighth minute. Uh, but uh, once again, Sanga were unable to hang on to a lead. Of course, they lost uh, to Tosu last week, having taken the lead. Uh, this time around, they were able to uh, yeah, keep the lead until two minutes into the second half, uh, when uh, Racel scored a similar-looking goal. Uh, Mateo Savio miscontrolled a ball in from the left into the path of Yuki Muto. His shot was blocked, but uh, Savio fired in the loose ball from close range. And, uh, yeah, with uh, pretty much a half of football still to play, uh, neither side was able to find a a further breakthrough. And uh, the spoils were shared. I think that is actually how you say it, isn't it, Sam? So uh, there you go. I've I've actually got it right this week. Uh, So, uh, yeah, um, Raysol, the lowest scorers in the division with uh, just six goals from, uh, from 10 games played. And, uh, yeah, Kyoto, again, frustration for them at not hanging on to a lead, Sam. But, um, I, I mean, in similar in a similar vein to what we've already spoken about with Niigata and Belmare, the, la- the last couple of weeks the results have been frustrating for them. But, um, uh, yeah, 11th on 13 points, um, 10 clear of Yokohama FC. They certainly don't have much to worry about, do they? No, I wouldn't think so. They, this was a, yeah, one of those games with limited quality on show, but both teams tried hard and it was a, it was no case spectacle, I suppose. But yeah, they don't have any real concerns. So Kyoto, they've managed like 14 goals is more than I imagined they were going to score at this, this stage of the season. I think they've 
proven to like I my concerns were where are the goals coming from. There were a lot of okay-ish players, but I think Pinochter has uh, done well. I think he's been a good signing. Toya Kara adding um, goals to his game is really pleasing. I thought his first his goal here was really well taken, uh, good touch, and then finished through the legs. So yeah, they've managed to. They look like they're going to score enough goals that they're always going to be involved in games. And you know, with Cho, he's never going to throw games away. They're never going to get. Uh, battered so uh, yeah they look reasonable Kyoto I don't have any major concerns with them and Raysol like I'm like it's a surprising statistic to say that they've got the lowest goals when you look at the players that they have Mm. you don't expect them to be conceding goals that wasn't my concern coming into the season it was the the other end which still isn't perfect although I think they found a pretty good goalkeeper in Matsumoto who uh, made a couple of good saves in this game and looks so much more assured than uh, Sasaki did for example but so they've just got to figure out a way to click these attackers because they have so many you'd expect a lot more from them uh, so yeah some interesting puzzle for Nelsinho to dish out but once that clicks you could imagine that Raysol could then maybe move up the table and challenge more into into mid table but yeah, it's just not quite happened for them yet. And but I just think the pieces are all there. They've just got to figure out a way of assembling them. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a head scratchy start for for Rizal, no question. And yes, the lack of goals is uh, yeah definitely uh, has definitely been unexpected. But yeah, interesting point you make about the the yeah Kyoto's goal tally through ten games. I mean, yeah, eleventh in the table but there are yeah six teams above them who have scored fewer including the teams currently in second and third Hiroshima and Nagoya so um yeah the yeah Sanga uh, have not struggled for goals as you say as we uh, most of us expected they would and uh, yeah that's obviously seen them uh, into the uh, comfort of uh, mid-table uh, obscurity in uh, yeah 11th after 10 games played. And that is it then, uh, listeners, for uh, all eight games from J1, match day 10 played on Saturday, and indeed the first leg of the ACL final. In case you're wondering, is a slightly abridged episode with uh, no guest. We're uh, keeping Sam's powder dry, listeners, as there is a full round of uh, J1 action on uh, this coming Wednesday as the uh, the Golden Week period of uh, of holidays well, it has already begun for some, but uh, yes, officially gets going on Wednesday with the, the first of a series of three national holidays uh, that uh, we'll enjoy for the rest of the week. And uh, yes, Sam, you've uh, you've planned that the people have spoken, the patrons have spoken, and uh, yes, a mini pod is uh, coming for uh, for J Talk patrons uh, at some stage of the uh, the conclusion of uh, Wednesday's J One Match Day Eleven. Yeah, I was delighted by it. It saves my typing fingers, at least, with all the, um, with the reviews that I've done in previous uh, years. But, yeah, the patrons decided they preferred a, a mini-pod, so I'm, yeah, very happy to do that. It looks like a really interesting spate of fixtures. And, yeah, I'll record shortly after the end of the Yokohama FC uh, Niigata game, and hopefully I'll be as quick with the pod as I was with uh, some of the reports last season. Yeah, well, uh, you were extremely prompt uh, to the surprise of many, and uh, yes, we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll be waiting with bated breath at the conclusion of the match day. Okay, so uh, yes, it's a full round of games on Wednesday. Then, so I uh, I have to ask, uh, what is Sam's pick of Wednesday? Sam's pick of Wednesday. Oh, there are some good fixtures. Some really good fixtures. I am going to go with. 
I think the Osaka derby is a given. I think you give that one. So I'm going to go Nagoya-Kobe. I think that's a really interesting game. I think Junker should be back. I think Nagoya should be at full strength against the Kobe team, who have looked very good. But the last time they had a real title contender against them, they lost that game. So it's a really difficult match for them. Nagoya will sit in. It's just, can Kobe break them down? I think that's a really intriguing battle. It might not be particularly high scoring like the Marinos game it might be a little bit tighter but I think this is a real test for Kobe away at Nagoya to see are they real title contenders so yeah that would be my pick uh, what has caught your eye yeah that is a good selection uh, definitely one for the purists I think um yeah okay I'll uh, I'll go for one of the games that to kickstart the match day then and uh, Sam's great entertainers Sapporo hosting Kashima. Uh, again, yes, one of us is picking a Kashima game, and uh, sorry if we're sounding like broken records listeners, but uh, yeah, from my perspective, it's whether uh, Sapporo can keep the good times rolling and whether they can uh, they can burst Daiki Iwamasa's bubble or whether Kashima uh, have actually turned a corner here because this will be a really interesting game uh, on a number of levels. If, uh, if Antlers can yeah get rolling early doors then, um, yeah, it, it could be a, a really spectacular occasion up at the Sapporo Dome because you know that uh, Consadole won't, uh, yeah, stop coming at you. So that's um, maybe a, a slightly unexpected pick of a two teams, a smack bang in mid-table. But, uh, yeah, a, an interesting one, I think, uh, for uh, definitely for neutrals to check out. It could be a really good advertisement for the J-League, I think, uh, that one at the Sapporo Dome. And, um, well, I, I'm not sure if you'll do a pick of the weekend in in your mini pod uh, after Wednesday's games, Sam. But so the, then, of course, we have uh, match day twelve coming up on the weekend. We have uh, two games on Saturday, and uh, well, yeah, uh, maybe my pick will uh, will be Sapporo hosting FC Tokyo in the early game on Saturday with uh, Nagoya and Gumba the other game on a Saturday slate, and then we have a uh, six games on Sunday. So um, maybe uh, one of the all-time great uh, J-League upsets coming in the uh, the clash of the top versus bottom? Uh, potentially. I doubt it, but <laughs> <laughs> potentially. Yeah, it, it could be a massacre, actually, for your comrades here in that game. So I don't necessarily want to point it out to them and make them have to sit through it. I think that could be a really difficult afternoon for Yokohama FC, but uh, yeah, it's another interesting bout of games. I think uh, kind of banana skins for Frontale and uh, F. Murray. I think that would, I'd pick Frontale versus Sagantosu because I think Sagantosu usually cause problems. They've caused problems, obviously, for FC Tokyo, but I think uh, Frontale often come uh, unstuck against them. And I think that could be a really interesting one. Like, are Frontale getting anywhere near their best? Can they then put in a performance against a team that consistently causes them problems? I think that would be an interesting game. But, yeah, it's like another yeah, terrific round of fixtures at the weekend. But I'll give it more thought and maybe come with a, a definite pick on Wednesday. Yeah, no, fair enough. Completely understandable. All right, then. Yeah, a lot of uh, J1 action to look forward to uh, over the uh, the next week. Uh, we've had a, a ball wrapping up uh, the weekend's match day 10. Uh, great to catch up with you again, Sam. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to I'm looking forward to checking out the mini pod. I'm sure our patrons are as well. And then, uh, yeah, looking forward to reconvening next week after uh, match day 12. So, yeah, great to speak to you again, mate. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing so again next week. Well, thank you, and I uh, yeah, look forward to bringing the pod out in midweek. In the midweek rounds, are usually chaos uh, whenever I've had to write them up, and I think this should be no different. I thought you picked a really good game with uh, the Sapporo versus uh, Kashima 1, and uh, it's a good job you didn't really 
tie colours to the Avispa FC Tokyo Masters. The 3rd of May 2022 was a 5-1 Avispa victory at the best Denki. So I bet you're hoping not for <laughs> for no repeat of that. But yeah, I'll round it all up on Wednesday and look forward to speaking to you next week. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah, we we don't do very well down in Kyushu, do we? Anyway, all right, we'll see how uh, things go on Wednesday. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the J Talk podcast. Uh, Sam and I would like to thank all of our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved for as little as a dollar a month, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. And uh, we'd like to thank you listeners for listening wherever you are. Uh, Sam will be back on Wednesday and uh, we'll be back next week to uh, to wrap up uh, all of the week's J1 action. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.